we're reading about the precursor to the greatest promise God ever released into the earth. God would not reveal Jesus Christ into the earth without first sending a forerunner to prepare the way. And this text reveals the story of the miracle birth of John the Baptist and the disruption that God brought to a people who were aching to get back to normal. Let's consider the dynamics of the text for a moment. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, chose to be born to his people in the nation of Israel at a time where Israel had no king. If you study your Bible a little bit, you'll remember that a couple of centuries before, the Babylonians had invaded Israel. They killed the king. They took over the government, and they enslaved Israel's people. They led them out in chains from Israel all the way to Babylon. After 70 years of Babylonian captivity, the Babylonian government did allow the people to return to their homes in Israel. But they returned to their homes in Israel, still up under the yoke and the tyranny of a foreign government. Over time, eventually, the Roman Empire rose to power and conquered Babylon and took over everything that Babylon had authority over. So the children of Israel are back in their homes, but they're still up under the rule of a foreign power. They're in their home, but they're not at home. In many ways, they've just traded captivity. They're no longer captives in a foreign country. Now they're captives in their own homes. House arrest. I'm familiar with the locations. Mount of Olives is over there. Sea of Galilee, it's over there. I'm familiar with the location, but the landscape has changed. I'm familiar with everything around me, but the dynamics have changed. And the only way I can really carry this home to you is with a horrible analogy I want to invite you to think about with me. Imagine if a foreign power invaded America, killed all of our government officials, and set up new government and new power, started changing all the road signs to a different language, started influencing American culture and the way Americans live their lives you might still be at your physical address. You might still be in your home, but you wouldn't feel at home. And this dynamic assaulted Israel's sense of normalcy. The Roman government decided to influence the activities of normal daily life and culture. And there is no feeling like the feeling of your government trying to influence every detail of your everyday life. There's no feeling like being managed when you're at home. I will be careful. I expect to be managed when I go to a foreign country, but I don't like being managed when I'm at home. It, nobody wants to feel strange at home. I can deal with strange when I leave my house. I can deal with strange people at the mall or at a restaurant. I can deal with strange people at the church. I can deal with strange people at work. But when I come home, if you come to my house acting strange, I will ask you to leave real quick. 
Because home is supposed to be the one place I don't have to deal with strange, but they felt strange in their own home. Rome had systematically invaded every piece of their culture. And culture is where we form our identity, what makes us unique and separate from other people. The government had impacted every area. Now, to make things worse, King Herod comes and he puts his name on their temple. Herod don't even believe in God. But he just saw this big, beautiful public gathering place, and he decided that it would be good to put his name on God's temple. Now, you want to do an interesting study. Go back and study each time in history that the government started manipulating and getting involved in the dealings of the church. Every time you find it, you'll see a revival hit the earth. Why? Because Jesus said, the church belongs to me. He said, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And in Israel now, they gotta go. They gotta go to worship, and they gotta look up at their temple, and it's got a big sign on it with with Herod's image and Herod's wording. They had lost their sovereignty. They had lost the succession of kings. They had no king to preserve their independence, to protect their culture, or to provide them basic human rights. All they had left was the memories of what they used to be. They had lost this precious thing that was implemented from the time of King Saul all the way up until the time that Babylon invaded. There was always a succession of kings to preserve their integrity as a sovereign nation. But they've lost that. And they're starting to lose their culture as Rome invades. They're starting to lose their language as Rome invades. Rome begins to influence food. It begins to influence music. It begins to influence art. And they see as a people little pieces of themselves just being stripped away. And all they have left as a people, no more succession of kings, all they have left is the succession of priests. So you must understand when we read the text, Zechariah is a towering figure in the nation of Israel because as an elderly priest, he's the one remaining thread tying them to their cultural identity and reminding them who they are. This elderly priest is the last living ambassador that represents everything their history was built on. And in the text, I hope you noticed that the scripture said when he went to pray that the whole multitude of the community all gathered around to watch the priest pray. And they didn't gather around because they were spiritual. They gathered around because there was something wrong in this dynamic. They knew Zechariah was all they had left. And they knew that he was elderly. And they knew that this priest had no son. 
So we've already lost the succession of kings. And now we are on the verge of losing the succession of priests. And so every time this man prayed and burned incense, everybody in the community would show up because who knows, this time might be the last time we get to see what we were. So he gathers the people and he goes in to burn incense and to pray. And he does it not out of a sense of faith. He does it out of a sense of loyalty and commitment. Because Zechariah understood the dynamic I just explained to you. He understood what he was. He understood that he was the last of a dying breed. And he understood what he provided for the people. When the people saw their life and their society under the rule of Rome, all they saw was chaos. But when they saw Zechariah, they saw one faithful standing member. One person that tied them back to their identity as a people of worship, a people of praise, a people of prayer, and a people of God. And it comforted them. It brought them one little sense of normalcy to see the old man on limping knees walk into the temple, light up his incense, and start praying prayers. So he faithfully got up to go do what priests do. To go do what he had always done. It was just another normal prayer meeting for the sake of tradition. And don't blame them for getting traditional with their worship. Tradition can comfort you when all hell is breaking loose. And you don't hear what I'm saying. Now you better wake up this morning. I said tradition will comfort you. Something that reminds you of your roots. Something that reminds you of your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. Something that's grounding and has a rooting effect on your soul. When all hell breaks loose, you reach for the tradition. Comfort food. You know, when things are go going pretty good for Katie and I, we, we like to go out and we like to get sushi. But have you noticed, if you like sushi, have you noticed you never eat sushi when things are real bad? Nobody wants a big plate of sushi when all hell is breaking loose in your life. Sushi's for good times. When it gets real bad in your life, when it gets real rough in your life, when me and Katie are going through rough times in our life, I'll come home and she's got macaroni and cheese on the stove and chicken and dumplings and cornbread and collard greens and and. A ham hock with the bone in it and some beans and some rice. When your life is shaking, you want something that reminds you of grandma's table. You want something that reminds you of how you grew up. You want something that reminds you that you do have a story. You want something that anchors you back to something sure. And Zachariah knows just me lighting this little incense and walking into this temple and, and offering, up these, offering up these recited prayers, this does something for them on the inside. So he's not praying to produce power. He's not praying with faith and expectancy in his heart. He's praying just to give them a little gift called a little slice of normalcy. Now, there ain't nothing like normal. If we've learned anything over this past few months, 
we've learned there ain't nothing like normal. It's hard to explain normal. You can't buy it. You can't sell it. In fact, you don't even know you've lost it until it's gone. It's hard. It's a hard thing to explain normal. You just know it if you don't if you don't have it. And there are circumstances you can go through in your life that will make you literally ache for normalcy. So, Zechariah, being the faithful, dutiful man that he was, goes in to pray for normalcy's sake. But while he's praying, Verse 11 says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, I want you to think about this verse. When Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Now I want you to think about this with me. He's in church. He's not at the nightclub. He's not at a strip joint. He's at church on the right side of the altar, the place where powerful things are supposed to happen. He's at church, and he has been praying. Now, he's not a sinner. Bible said he was righteous. He's not a skeptic. Bible said he was a believer. He's in church, and he's praying. But he's praying and worshiping with no expectancy whatsoever in his heart. Proving that even for good and righteous and faithful people, church can become normal. Prayer can become normal. Offering incense to God can become normal. His presence can become normal. His places can become normal. This was just another normal church service. Until God shows up. How do I know he had no faith or expectancy in his heart? How do I know he was just going through the motions? Because he was in church praying to God. And the God he was praying to answered him. And when he answered him, it shocked him. God told me to come in here and tell you, he's about to shock you. Ah, yeah. I don't know where you are in the building. I don't know what you're going through in your life. But some of you have been faithful and going through the motions for a long time. You've been lifting your hands with no expectancy. You've been singing your song with no real faith in your heart. You've been praying prayers but felt no penetration into heavenly places. And it's gotten to the point that you no longer expect things to change. And worship has become normal to you. But God said to tell you it's not going to be normal no more. He is about to shock you. Gabriel came and said, Zechariah, he heard you. And hearing that God heard him shocked him. God is about to prove to you. Listen to me. God is about to prove to you. You don't hear me in this church. God is about to prove to you that he heard you. Look at somebody and say, he heard you. 
in the Bible says when Gabriel said he heard you. This is how normal dealing with the things of God had become for Zechariah. Now, if it was this bad for Zechariah, Zechariah was a legend. I'm concerned about some of us, what we would do. When the angel came and said, hey, he heard you. The Bible said that fear, not faith, not expectancy, not power, not thank you, Jesus, for hearing. No, fear fell upon him. Means he was overcome with a wave of fear. All because God answered what he asked for. What would you do if he answered? And I, I wanted to ask Zacharias in the text, I wanted to ask him, when did praying without expectancy become normal? Oh, hallelujah. When did coming to church and receiving nothing become normal? When did accepting fear and doubt? Y'all ain't going to talk to me. When did accepting fear and doubt as a reality over faith, when did that become normal? You really going to help me on this one. When did knowing more about a virus than you do about the book of Acts? You can name every symptom of the virus. Name all the apostles. You can name every symptom of the virus. Name the nine spiritual gifts. You can name every single thing going on with this thing. When did that become normal? When did it become okay and normal to vilify people who posted on social media that they were going to church? When did it become okay? You call yourself a Christian and you think it's okay to get on social media and dog people out because they have enough faith and they believe God, it's time for them to return to their church? Who in the hell do you think you are? When did that become normal? If you want to stay home, stay home. But for God's sake, don't criticize me because I ain't scared. God has not given us a spirit of fear, the Bible still said. And you might know it if you would turn the news off and put your face in the Word of God. But even the Word has become normal. You know how I know we think it's normal? Because we have more faith in what the newscaster said than we do in what the word of the Lord says. And I just want to ask you, when did that become normal? There was a time for some of you when you used to lift your hands and worship God and tears would stream down your face because you felt not just the atmosphere outside, you felt something happening on the inside. And I want to ask you, when did that stop? When did it become normal to lift a hand and not feel a feeling? When did it become normal to pray without your voice breaking in emotion? When did it come normal? 
to hear the gospel preach and not feel your heart burn with conviction on the inside. When did it become normal? Because at some point, oh, hallelujah. I said at some point along Zechariah's journey of faith, he started out praying with power. He started out praying with expectation. He started out praying like he knew he, who he was talking to. But at some point in all of our journeys, we reach a place where we're doing the same things we used to do. But we're doing it with our heart detached. So you're coming to church because it's normal. You open your Bible and do your devotions. Why? Because it's normal and you're halfway disciplined. You're praying, but it's normal. And so Zacharias prayed, but he doesn't realize has no concept anymore that his prayer is the pathway to the pregnancy that will preserve his and the nation's future. But he had stopped believing that prayer could be a pathway to miracles. He stopped believing that prayer in faith could unlock and release whatever you are believing for. And the enemy wants to shut down your prayer life because he wants to keep you barren and unable to produce the things that God has destined you for. And if he can't shut down your prayer life, he sure wants it to be as normal and dead and dry and lackluster and routine as possible because he knows if you ever dare to pray, pray with a stirred spirit he knows if you ever dare to pray with faith that the faithful prayer of the saints rises up into the nostrils of God in heaven and God will respond when you really pray he's praying he's praying he's praying and the angel said verse 13 don't be afraid Zacharias Two things about that. The angel said, he saw the fear fall on him, and the angel said, don't be afraid. And then to settle him down, he called his name. God knows your name. You may have lost that revelation, but God doesn't just see you as one big glob of humanity. God knows who you are. And Gabriel said, don't be afraid. That didn't work. So to calm him down, don't be afraid, Zacharias. God has heard your prayer. And uh, Gabriel releases a word to him in church at the altar. But he doesn't believe it. When I read that, really, for the first time in my life, I thought about, I thought about maybe I need to do something else with my life when I read that. I really did. I said, I don't know, I don't know about this. Because he, he gave him a word and he didn't believe it. Now this wasn't a preacher giving him a word. 
He was at the right side of the altar praying, burning incense, and an angel showed up. And he knew it was an angel because he was scared to death and fear fell on him. And then that angel said, don't be afraid. And they gave him a word. You're going to have a son. You're going to call his name John. He's going to be great. Here's what to do with him. Here's how to raise him. And, and I just, I don't know about you. If it was me, I would have believed a supernatural being manifesting instantaneously in my presence and giving me a word from God. But Zechariah still does not believe. And I thought to myself, if Gabriel couldn't do it, what, what is Jason going to do? If Gabriel couldn't get the high priest. If normalcy had such a hold on the mind of the high priest that God couldn't get a word to him by sending Gabriel the messaging angel, I thought to myself, what am I going to do? And I realized, God, it's hopeless. I've really struggled during this pandemic because I spent, this is my 17th year preaching, I spent seven, no, don't clap. It's a horror story I'm about to tell you. <laughs> I spent 17 years preaching and teaching the word of God. And I saw so many people that I have poured my life into teaching them the word of God, discipling them, pouring faith, pouring power into them. I saw them completely lose their mind and their faith in two months. <laughs> Didn't get sick. Didn't lose their job. Just scared of something. And they took hundreds of steps back in their walk. And I said, God, there's no use in it. And then he said to me, I'm sending a season of no more normal. So I started to unpack that. I started to try to unpack that. And then I found it in the text. Zechariah talking to the angel. Angel says, you're going to have a son. You're going to call his name John. This is how I want you to raise him. This is what he's going to do in his life. And Zechariah responds to the word of the Lord from an angel standing at the right side of the altar in a church. And he starts telling the angel all of the normal reasons why the miracle can't come to pass. God sends him a word through an angel, and he's standing there arguing. That sounds good, Mr. Angel, and those are some amazing wings, and that... That light that's shining off your face is about to blind me, and that's all amazing. Um, here's the thing. I'm old. And my wife is old. And if I wasn't old, and if my wife wasn't old, she's also barren. In other words, we tried this in the past. 
We believed for this in the past. We waited and we prayed for this in the past. But we started out young people and turned into old people praying the same prayer that never got answered. What I'm trying to tell you, Mr. Angel, is you're too late. What you're saying isn't normal. And Zachariah was right. There were a lot of good normal reasons why this thing couldn't happen. But we do not serve a normal God. Oh, you don't hear me in this church this morning. Oh, I'm trying to preach some stuff off of you. I don't know if you hear me yet. I said we do not serve a normal God. But the problem is you drag God down to your perception of him. You put God in the box of your mind and what you think he's able to do. And when your mind is overwhelmed by normal, then you think that way about your God. Gabriel answered him and said, I am Gabriel, verse 19. Oh, yeah. I. You're too old. She's too old. She's barren. Almost indignantly, almost insulted, he says, Do you know how far I had to fly here? Do you know what I had to go through? Do you know how many miles and light years I had to travel? I am Gabriel who stands in the pre What Gabriel was saying is my position let me give you my resume. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. I'm one of two that the revelator will talk about in the book of Revelations. I'm one of two archangels standing in the midst of six seraphim. I'm one of two archangels that stand in the presence of the throne room where the Almighty rests his hips. I am personally responsible for releasing his word to the earth. I have a company of angels with me. Many times I will send the word through them because God could not speak to you directly lest he burst your eardrums and evaporate your soul so he has chosen to send emissaries with anointed messages I am not called or created to speak words on my own behalf I can only say what's been spoken to me by the God who created this world by the same words of his mouth I am Gabriel I stand in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you. And you're talking to me about normal. Let me ask you, 
what's normal about the text. An old man standing there talking with the archangel Gabriel. And he wants to bring up the subject of normal. But don't you do it too? You still think you're sitting in a normal moment. I started prophesying a word that God Almighty spoke to me over your life almost 20 minutes ago. I said no more normal. But just like Zechariah, your mind is heavily ticking on all the reasons why, the normal reasons why, that couldn't be the case. And Gabriel said, I'm not here to talk to you about normal. I'm here to announce your season of normal is over. He said, I'm here to announce, Zechariah, your season of ordinary is over and your season of extraordinary has come but then he said but since you can't get your speaking lined up with the new thing God is doing since you're receiving a now word but still talking like your past normalcy and your season I'm going to shut your mouth. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to shut your mouth until the miracle comes to pass. Why? Because the power of death and life is in the tongue. And you're the only one powerful enough to abort things God wants to do in your life. You can abort it with your mouth. Your mouth can cancel miracles. Your mouth can cancel manifestation. But this one was too important. Gabriel said, because your son has got something to do with the son of the Most High, I'm not going to let you mess this one up. I'm going to shut your mouth. Now, I don't know how many of you in this room right now belonged under my spiritual leadership, but for those of you that do, I'm going to get real pastoral for a minute. If you can't speak faith in this season, then shut your mouth. If you can't post faith in this season, then delete your social media. If you can't walk in faith, go somewhere in a dark room and sit down until it's over. If you can't speak faith, then shut your mouth. That's what the angel said. He said, I'm going to shut your mouth. And his mouth stayed shut for nine months. Imagine not being able to vocalize your problems oh, for nine whole months. Imagine not being able to complain 
for nine whole months. Imagine not being able to worry and have anxiety dripping out of your mouth all day long. For nine whole months. He kept his mouth closed for nine months. And the relatives and the faith community, they thought he had a stroke. He was elderly anyway. Now he's lost speech capacity. They thought, poor old guy. Had a stroke. Lost his ability to speak. Can't pray no more. But at least we have the succession of priests. Because old Lizzie back at the house, she's pregnant and getting bigger every day. Glory to God, we got another high priest coming. So nine months later in verse 57, Elizabeth, she gives birth when her time came. She gives birth. And in verse 58, when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown her mercy, they rejoiced. In verse 59, so it was on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they On the eighth day, they that came to circumcise the child, and, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. Why? Because that was normal. Oh, I wish you knew how good I was preaching. It was tradition. That was normalcy. The priest, if he was passing his position to his son, he would pass at least a piece of his name. Or, if not his name, the name of a priest in the succession of the family that had gone before him. So the people said, since it was the father's job in Jewish culture to name the child, the people said, well, since daddy can't talk, we're going to name him for you. People will always try to name the next move God is going to do in your life. When people sense that God's hand is on your life and that something special is going to come out of you, when people get a whiff, when they get the scent that there's something supernatural happening in your gift, they will all gather around you and try to put their name on you. Why? So they can take credit for it later. Lizzie, you're still recovering from childbirth, baby. And now daddy can't talk. So we're going to name him Zachariah. Lizzie got up, up, off her bedrest and said, no. His name is John. And they said, verse 61, but there is no one among your relatives We've searched your family tree. And nowhere in your family tree has this name ever been mentioned. In other words, there's no reference point in the past for calling the future this. That's not normal. So they said, we're going to go check with, we're going to go check with daddy. 
Can you talk some sense into this woman? We're trying to name him after you. writes, his name is John. And the word said, they marveled. God said to tell you, Christian world, what I'm about to do in your life, there's never been a name for. In your whole family, in your whole history, in all of your past, you're going to be the first one in your family. Do you hear me? You are going to be the first one in your family. What he's about to do next has never been done before. Anywhere in your family tree, it has never been done before. God said, no more normal. And what the people, what the people didn't realize is through this announcement of his name, by giving him a name that they had never used before, God was breaking a generational curse. One of the things that's going to mark this season is God is going to break things that have haunted your family for decades and in some cases centuries. In your family? Anger has been normal. Got his Uncle Tony's temper. There's that temper again. Then you have kids. Oh, he's got his great Uncle Tony's temper. The temper in the family is considered normal. Everybody in the family has been in debt. Grandparents were in debt. Their parents were in debt. You're in debt. Kids trying to get in debt. You already put a phone in their name they owe three months on. Debt, 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 to the point that debt is. Heart disease running the family. Got your grandmama, got your mama, got your aunt. And now you're feeling chest pains. And everybody just expects it as. But God sent me to tell you. Your season of normal is over. I don't know where you are. I don't know who needs this word. But God sent me to tell you, your season of normal is over. Maybe you're watching me online. Your season of normal is over. No more normal. His name is John. Then the Bible says, his mouth opened up and his tongue loosed. What caused that? When he brought his word confession, even through a tablet, into alignment with the word God spoke in the throne room. When he brought his thinking in alignment with what the word had directed it towards, in that moment, God released his mouth, loosed his tongue, and he spoke praises. The last time he spoke, he was speaking problems.
I'm too old. She's too old. She's barren. Last time he spoke. When he spoke those words, the angel shut his mouth. When he opened his mouth, the first thing out. And I bet you, I bet you it wasn't a normal praise. I bet you his voice was breaking a little bit. I bet you his hand was shaking a little bit. I bet you his belly was rumbling with fire a little bit. I bet you he could feel electricity moving all over his body. I bet you he had tears streaming down his face. I bet you for the first time in a long time, a man that knew all the right things to do in all the right places to do it, for the first time he felt it again. And that's what I prayed. I said, God, while I'm preaching today, let somebody feel it again. Not just respond out of tradition. Not just respond out of normalcy. But let us feel your presence again. But he responded back, you control the knob on your feeler. It's all about where you are on the inside. And some of you, the reality is, have been so baptized in fear and so baptized in mundane, normal circumstances that you're hearing this word, but you're not hearing this word. But I want to tell you, this is something you, I want you to mark. Because for this one, this move isn't just about you. This move has something to do with what God's about to do in the earth. If this move would have just been for Zechariah, he might have been able to cancel it with his doubt. But because this move involved Zechariah, but it wasn't totally about him, God said, I'm not going to let you mess this one up. And I feel God saying that to this church. He's not going to let us mess this one up. If he has to close some mouths, if he has to remove some people, if he has to take some people out of your circle, one way or another, God's not going to let this one get messed up. Now, I don't know what else to tell you before I tell you the rest other than God said no more normal. In your family, no more normal. In your finances, no more normal. In your church attendance, no more normal. In your passion that you bring with you to the house of God, no more normal. In your worship, in your praise, in your serving, in your giving, no more normal. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Three quick takeaway points. Three quick takeaway points. Number one, stop praying normal prayers to an extraordinary God. Stop praying normal prayers to an extraordinary God. If you're going to pray, pray like you know he can hear you. In fact, you didn't get that. Look at somebody and listen to yourself say it. Say it to someone else. Say, stop praying normal prayers to an extraordinary God. 
if you're taking notes, take this one down. Every time you pray, you are challenging the normalcy of your circumstances. Do you hear me? Listen, listen close. Every time you pray, you are challenging the normalcy of your circumstances. Get this next one down. Prayer should confront the norms in your life, not align with them. There's a lot of people that aren't qualified to talk about faith right now that are talking about faith. They're offering commentary and criticizing people for either wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or distancing or not. There's all kind of stuff going on right now. And if you get your information from fools, you'll be a double fool. One of the essential keys of prayer that makes prayer different from just talking is that you're praying understanding that you're talking to a supernatural God. So when you pray, don't pray normal prayers to an extraordinary God. Point number two, carry expectancy into every prayer. Expectancy is the spear that pierces the spiritual atmosphere of darkness that hovers over this earth. Did you hear me? That's revelation. The Bible says that Satan is the prince and principality of the air. He set up a dome-like structure spiritually to interrupt communication in the spirit world from heaven to the earth and vice versa. But God has given us keys in the scripture that pierce the heavens. That's why so many spiritual warfare books were written around that topic, piercing the heavens, piercing the darkness. Well, when you go to God with expectancy, anybody ever like struggled to feel that release in prayer? Like, you know, you got it through, you know, you've just been praying and praying and praying. It's just been a warfare. You just can't really get over that hump in prayer. A lot of you don't know what I'm talking about because you don't pray. You need to come see Pastor Mary and get involved in it and learn something. One of the keys to piercing that block sometimes we feel spiritually in prayer is make sure you stirred up your expectancy before you pray. If you're going to pray, pray with expectancy. Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The word please there in the Greek means access. Without faith, it is impossible to Oh. See why I said what I said earlier? Without faith, it is impossible to Access God. He explains it. For he who comes to God, there's no exceptions. There's no free card on this. He that comes to God must believe two things. That he and that he's a rewarder. If you're praying and in the base of your spirit, you don't believe those two things, you ain't being heard. Wow. 
There's a whole, you know, system of teaching going out, especially among the reform circles right now, talking about God doesn't want to bless you. You know, the gospel is all about the salvation of your soul. Stop teaching blessing. Stop talking about, uh, you know, God granting you things and all that. And I understand what they're saying because blessing is definitely the minor aspect of what God does and promises in the scripture. Salvation is the major, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Hebrews 11:6 says that you have to believe that God is, that he exist and you have to believe that he's a rewarder that means every time I pray I have the potential to be rewarded now he wouldn't have told me that if he didn't want me to pray expecting that every you don't and the problem is you don't really believe it every time you offer a prayer in faith and expectancy you are speaking to the one who has limitless potential to reward you for seeking him. So when you pray, pray with expectancy. Number three, number three, I like this one. The promise was received at church, but it wasn't conceived until Zechariah and Elizabeth Zachariah gets that word and he receives it. But it cannot come to pass until they do something they probably ain't done. Think about it. Think about it. This whole text is about God breaking normalcy. Because, because there's something that happens to men after a certain age. And there's something that happens to a woman's ability to receive after a certain age. So that type of relationship was no longer. Other thing that's strange is normally after you've been married a long time. Normally, in order for that to happen, there would have to be at least a plan. Because, you know, you've tried to set something up without a plan or talking before, and you, you've seen how that... Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me. It's all right. Sit there with your lovely self. But the problem is, Zach, Zachariah's got to go home and, and get... And get the promise that he received, he's got to get it conceived. But the problem is, he can't. And 
I don't know. He must have been a bad brother because about 30 seconds after I walked in the door, my wife would have been like, why you ain't saying nothing? What's wrong with you? Open your mouth. Communicate. Why aren't you talking? What's going on? What's the matter with you? Zachariah walks in, ain't saying nothing. Brothers, I pray God gives you that anointing in the name of Jesus. Just, just, just try it. Just walk into your house and say. Don't call me for prayer afterwards. I don't want to hear the results of this message. The promise was received at church, but it wasn't conceived till they got home. Third thing God told me to tell you, he wants to bring a synergy between what you hear at church and what you do at home. Because we've been splintered too long in that. Christian world, listen to me. We've been living on the fence with two opinions. In this pandemic, it really brought it out to the forefront. In this, in this season, God's drawing a dividing line down the center of his church. And the hot are going to get hotter. And the cold going to get colder. But there's no room anymore in the middle. So we got to get to a place, you know, we're good at this. We come to church and we kind of step into that zone and we talk a certain way at church and we act a certain way at church and we smile at each other a certain way at church and we act like we're not fighting when we're at church. We get our faith talk on when we're at church, acting like we believe the word and we spent five minutes in it all week. We are two different people at church and at home. In this season, that normal's broken. That normal's broken. Watch! And it'll be broken either with you because he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, there's a season coming where God said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That season is now. You're either in, you're either hot. So, for all of you that have decided that you're going to be in, there has got to become relational synergy between the word you hear and the lifestyle you live. What fellowship hath light with darkness? 
How can bitter water and sweet water come out of the same well? Some of you need to get saved again and start today and get saved for real and learn that entry-level Christianity is self-denial. You ain't done nothing in Christianity till you learn to deny what your flesh wants to do, till you learn to start repenting of sins every day and making a genuine effort to walk in another direction. That is the basics. And you're not doing any of it. You're just coming to church with a pity any praise. Hot or cold. He said the rest of you, get out. Now, this isn't something, realize this is a prophetic word. This isn't something you're going to have to go home and decide. This is something that is going to happen either in you or to you. But the casual everyday norms of church and experience with God as you've known it, God said, no more normal. See, this text I'm teaching to you about is the text that ushered in the messenger. Oh, you don't know. They, they don't know. They don't know why God had to break all the norms when he was sending John. Because John was the prophet whose primary message was repent and get ready for the coming of the Lord. This is another John season. Repent and get ready for the second coming. God sent John before his first trip. And the New Testament said he's sending John back before his second trip. He said that he would go forth in the spirit of Elijah. In Revelation, he saw two prophets, two dead prophets that came back from the grave. They were walking around, and one of them was Elijah. The spirit of repentance. The spirit of preparing the way because something's coming from heaven that's going to change everything. I can't allow you to stay normal like you were because something is coming from heaven that's going to change everything. I can't allow you to stay normal like you were. So something's coming from heaven that's going to change everything. Wait a minute. The natural, what does it do? It precedes the spiritual. In other words, God won't do anything in the earth without first revealing it to his prophets. And sometimes he reveals it to his prophets by allowing you to see it play out in front of you in a natural sense before it happens in a supernatural sense. What did God just do to us? Over the last 10 weeks, he broke up our... a prophetic announcement to wake a sleeping church and tell you God said no more 
Stand to your feet and give God a praise. There's some people in this room right now that know you need to make some changes with God. This altar is open. If you're one of them, come down here and get on this altar. If you've got some repenting to do, if you've got some changes that you need to make, come and get on this altar. The Lord said in his word, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There's been some hot spots in your life, but there's been a lot of cold spots in your life. And it's created a dangerous middle in the center. It is time for you to make some core decisions. It is time for you to make some core changes for God. It is time for you to give your life completely and wholly to him. God has brought you to a place of a dividing line. And he's asking you today, choose this day who you will serve. And I want to challenge every single one of you that felt even a twinge of repentance in your heart during the preaching of the Word of God to come and repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus. You don't have to wait for someone to pray for you. The Bible says if we confess, if we confess, if we confess, if you've sinned, start confessing. If you've sinned, start asking for forgiveness. If you've sinned, name it out loud. Call it what you did. And then ask God to cleanse you and to cover you with His blood and to forgive you. This doesn't work with a closed mouth. This doesn't work with a closed mouth. This doesn't work with a closed mouth. Cry out unto God. Let your voice be heard. I repent of what I've done. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to draw me close. I ask you to fill me with your spirit. I ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to live in my house. The same anointing in this house. I pray it goes home with me. I ask you to help me turn away from wicked ways. I ask you to help me. I see a lot of closed mouths. I see a lot of closed mouths. That's normal. It doesn't work with a closed mouth. up your mouth. Cry out to God. I'm 
There's some people that feel like you need to be up here. You need to get up here. John, man, uh, the Lord is doing something in your health. I don't know what it is. It's something right in the middle of you. And we speak health and healing to you in the name of Jesus. Just in your upper torso, in the name of Jesus, we speak health and healing to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, what's his name? Who? Zay? Zane? Zane the Mighty.
Zane the anointed. Zane the weapon of the Lord. Zane the creative. And one of your legacies is going to be that you're an incredible father. God is going to build in your heart And, and there's something coming from me to you right now. That's what you feel in your spirit. The Holy Spirit is called impartation. That's what's coming down on you right now. That's what's coming down on you right now. Receive that, man. Just receive that. Just receive that.
I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord, your healer. I send my word and heal your disease. He says, I am the Lord, your healer. Everyone in this building, stretch your hands towards my sister. That healeth thee. You're going to feel waves start to come. I am the Lord. A presence. It's the feeling of God. I send my word. I send my word and heal your disease. It's coming. Stay right there. I am, I am the Lord. Lord your healer. Everybody help me say that song I am. James, look at me. Look at me. Book of James. Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. And if they have committed any sin, they will be forgiven. That is the word we stand on. We're going to pray the prayer of faith for healing over you right now. And healing is coming to your life. You will see a manifestation healing in the name of Jesus. We take authority over fear and anxiety. We take authority over every demonic presence trying to drag your mind down with dark thoughts. We curse those things in the name of Jesus and call you the blessed of the Lord in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus be against every sickness. The blood of Jesus be against every dark demonic thought. The blood of Jesus be against it. Be healed in the name of Jesus by the word of Jesus, by the spirit of Jesus. In Jesus' name, that healeth. In fact, if you're believing for healing anywhere in the room, just lift your hands. I said my word and healed your disease. Hitting somebody right now.
God bless you. Whew, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. God said, no more normal. No more normal. No more normal. There's different pockets all over this room where the Holy Spirit is just falling in a fresh way. No more those of you seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit I declare to you be filled right now with the Holy Spirit of God in the name of Jesus 
or if it's been a long time, if speaking in tongues has become abnormal to you, or if it's just been some normal part of your church-learned behavior, I pray in the name of Jesus you receive a fresh and new infilling of the Holy Spirit of God. Open up your mouth and begin to praise Him right now, wherever you are. Open up your mouth and begin to declare, You're worthy, you're worthy. I exalt you, I exalt you. I thank you for everything you've done in my life. I give you glory and honor and praise, oh God. How excellent are you in all the earth. We worship you in the name of Jesus. I pray the Lord your God bless you. I pray the Lord your God lead you in repentance. I pray the Lord your God shows you the way. I pray that he blesses you abundantly and proves to you that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I pray blessing upon your family, upon your finances. And I pray you carry his word in your spirit. And if you have to, stay silent until you can come into alignment with it. There is going to be no more normal in the name of Jesus Christ. The blessing of the Lord be upon you today. The peace and strength of God be with you. If you have something you would like to give or sow into this word, you can come and bring it to the front. If not, you're welcome to stay and worship for a while, or you can be dismissed. We love you so much. No more normal.